0: Welcome to PharmaTalk Radio. I'm Kate Woda. I'm delighted to share a presentation from the 2019 Drug Delivery West Conference on the topic of transforming cardiovascular treatment with pulmonary delivery. This session is led by Carlos Schuller, CEO, CTO, and co-founder of Incardia Therapeutics. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Morning. Great conference. Can you hear me all right? All right. Um... Well, good news. Rats do not get AFib, so I will not be talking about rats. Um, We'll talk about Encarda. Encarda is a biotech company here in the Bay Area, and we're targeting um, a disease that is really, really annoying, atrial fibrillation, for which there's no appropriate effective treatment in the United States. So I'll walk through the agenda that you see there on the board, and let's get right into it. Well, first... um, It is a disease, it's uh, out there, it has high prevalence. Um, It's more diagnosed of course in higher uh, income areas than in lower income areas, but it's very prevalent all over the world. And the problem with it is that there's nothing good for it. So as you develop uh, an atrial fibrillation episode, your heart will literally skip beats uh, your atrium will be uh, off-sync from your ventricle. Your uh, pumping capacity diminishes. People feel like they're drowning. People feel like they are debilitated. It's an awful disease. Um, moreover, um, it um, conduces to a higher incidence of stroke, so as the heart pump is, pumps inefficiently, there will be areas in the heart that will pool blood, and as the heart resumes its normal function eventually, you may get some of those blood clots into the brain, and you'll have an incidence of stroke. So uh, there's a problem there to be solved. And what we're looking for is something that people can do at home. We're trying to take... Uh, a disease for which there's no therapy at all in the United States, and bring it into a therapy that you can do at home. In, the, in Europe, there is an IV for this. There's a, you can get IV flaconite in Europe, and um, that will often relieve your symptoms, but it takes a trip to the emergency room. So it's all about patient um, quality of life. It's also about reducing healthcare utilization. So um, Simple just deliver liver through the pulmonary route. Uh, why? Because every breath you take will go through your heart. So um, it's the first organ, right? It's right next to it. It's where all the blood that, that will flow through the heart, after the uh, lungs will go into the heart. And it turns out that the, let's see if this works. Oops, no, that didn't work. Sorry, go back. It turns out that the foci that um, trigger the atrial fibrillation are right there at the junction of the pulmonary veins with the atrium. That's where uh, veins start creating their own foci of excitation. That's what causes the uh, lack of synchronicity in the heart. So the, those cells start pulsing on, this, on their own, and they overwhelm the the pacemaker signals that come from the superior node. So. We thought, hey, if those cells are there, that's where the blood flow is going to go through after, the, after the, it comes through the lungs. So why not we target that? right? And um, of course, where we want to go is we want to convert atrial fibrillation. So we are technology-averse, funny enough. We wanted to show the effect first without complicating the paradigm with additional technology. So we wanted to go as technology-averse as possible, and so we thought, what's the simplest thing we could do? We could go for a jet nebulizer. And then if we show that this works, we can um, enhance the technology later. And that's our strategy. So rats don't get AFib, but pigs and dogs do. So we tried this um, first on a dog, and you see there uh, uh, on the top a dog in which we induced atrial fibrillation, and we delivered the placebo, and there's no conversion. On the bottom, you see uh, a dog in which we induced atrial fibrillation, and we delivered uh, flecanide via the pulmonary route, and voila, we saw conversion uh, a few seconds later. We have repeated these types of experiments over and over again. and it allows us to get a, uh, have a starting guess as to what the dose should be. Uh, very encouraging results. So we took those results and went into clinical trials. Uh, we have done phase 1s in Australia to assess pharmacokinetic and ph- ph- pharmacodynamics. And uh, we're currently in a phase 2 study in Europe, in um, the Netherlands, and Belgium. Um, and we're basically hunting for those establishing what's the right dose level that will balance uh, efficacy and safety. I'll show you some results out of this. Uh, good news is that both the PK and the PD um, show a linear uh, relationship with those. And that's a great result. So over there, um, sorry, over there, you can see the PK results. and. What is it that we want? We want to bathe the heart with this drug, affect the conversion, and then we want it to go away. This drug is a class 1C antiarrhythmic. If it stays too long in the uh, tissue area, it will cause proarrhythmic effects. So you want it to go in, do its punch, and come out. And uh, it does what it does, right? So on the top, uh, you can see the PK result. It clears up very, very quickly on the bloodstream, so it basically gets diluted away. On the bottom, you see its pharmacodynamic effect. So it turns out that uh, even though these are normals, uh, they do not have atrial fibrillation, Uh, flecainide slows down the heart in in the following way. It creates a, a QRS widening. So QRS is that big signal that you have in the heart, so you have the little blip and the big blip, So the big blip QRS is those three nodes in that uh, wavelet. And you can measure that. You can measure that very accurately, beat by beat, and you can see its effect on the heart. And you can see it right there um, at at the placebo, lower dose, middle dose, and high dose. Again, it tracks beautifully the PK results. It clears within an hour. So we were very encouraged by this result and we went uh, into uh, further studies. By the way, safety, no adverse events. So we were extremely pleased uh, when we saw this. As a remark, when we did the study, we did an IV crossover. And even in our very small sample size for the IV crossover, we saw adverse effects in the IV that we didn't see in the pulmonary. So um, encouraging results, we moved into phase three, sorry, into a phase two in Europe. Uh, We started with a very low dose, And we are basically playing with those going higher and higher and higher. And what we're monitoring is probability of conversion. So you have, uh, this is a random event. Patients present in the ER, they will have AFib. You have to consent them, dose them, and monitoring in this very short period of time. And what we're looking for is, do they convert or do they not convert? Um, And they do convert. and it's, when they do convert, they convert very quickly after the dose is delivered. So they convert within uh, half an hour of the dose being delivered. So it's, it's sort of miraculously to see. Uh, and, but what we're trying to do is enhance the dose until we get to a level that we don't see the side effects and we have maximal conversion. Um, like I said, our delivery system right now is rather rudimentary. It's basically a drug in a vial uh, delivered with a jet nebulizer. There's lots of opportunities to improve this with um, enhanced nebulizers, dry powder technologies. We'll look at all that. But for now, we're just going very simple with a simple jet nebulizer. So um, even with that technology at the level of this, we have done patient acceptance study and uh, doctor acceptance studies, and it's very well received, partly because there's nothing else. There's nothing patients can take at home. There's no way patients can give themselves an IV at home. So in the absence of anything else, this is very well-received therapy. So um, that's where we're going. We're going first in the hospital, then at home. And um, I don't know if you've been watching the news, these uh, new watches now can detect the presence of AFib, so we're thinking that this is going to create a problem for the doc- for the medical community as they have an increased uh, number of calls. Doctor, I have AFib. What do I do? There's nothing. There's actually nothing for doctors to do right now. So, in the essence, in, in essence. Um, The Apple Watch and all those other technologies are creating a problem which has no solution. And we're hoping to be there being the solution for that problem. So um, there's a market. And um, like I said, we're here. We are doing that. We will do a proof of concept. So human factors are essential here. So this is essentially a PK trick, right? We're trying to get in and get out quickly. If patients don't inhale correctly, it won't work. So it's all about human factors. So you see this POC study here, which is an in-hospital, out-of-hospital study for us to study how can we teach patients to inhale. Uh, It Sounds simple, it's not simple. Uh, Patients will not do what you think they do. Um, So this is a team, um, and we're fortunate to have a wonderful board of directors and investors in our company. And with that, um, I'm open to questions. questions for Carlos? Um, One of the first things I wanted to ask you while other people may be coming to the mic is, uh, have you thought about what you're going to do in terms of development with refining that um, delivery, that nebulizer? It looks like it's a little bit bulky, And so people are going to need to have this right away. This is something almost looks like it does sit on a table. They need to get to this right away. Is there something that could be smaller and much more portable to to do what you need to for the delivery to the lungs? Yes, um, certainly. So um, we've looked at a number of things. The first uh, obvious idea is can you use a different type of nebulizer, uh, a more portable nebulizer? And the technology is not there. So if anybody here has a nebulizer that I can try, I'll be happy to try it. Uh, We need high delivery throughput. And we are are also looking for an increased concentration in the solution. So it's a combination of those two things that make, uh, for example, mesh nebulizers not uh, the best technology because they just don't deliver the throughput. You don't get the aerosol um, delivery rate that you want. We're looking at dry powder inhalers. Dry powder Uh inhalers uh, look like a possible solution to the problem. And uh, then you have to worry about the nuances of the molecule and how you can formulate the molecule in a dry powder inhaler. Um, And that is uh, a higher bar in terms of developing costs. So our strategy right now is prove clinical efficacy and then um, improve it upon itself as it goes into the market. Okay. good. Sounds really good. Any other questions? Susie? Um, I'm curious, as you guys uh, consider optimizing the delivery, as you just suggested, how will you approach comparability of the, you know, safety and efficacy of your drug um, clinically? Well, in the U.S., it's easy because there's nothing to compare it with. (laughs) Europe, how, how will you compare it back to the, the trials that you're doing now, I suppose, to establish that you're getting similar exposure, um, oh. or that you haven't altered? We, we are fortunate yeah. that we have a very good surrogate market, so that QRS widening marker that I showed you, uh, even though it's a ventricular marker, it is uh, in the same organ, right? It's right next to the, to the atrium. so. Um, in, in most studies, if you can show a PKPD correlation, which is very well established for the IV of this product for the IV version of this product in Europe, um, you can make that leap. Uh, so uh, we're hoping knock on wood, that that's a convincing argument. Okay. One, one last question.: Yes, I really enjoyed your talk. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the window of time that this therapy makes sense to use? In other words, if someone presents with atrial fibrillation, is there a time when after which you're like, no, our therapy's not going to work? Yes. Um, So you should not uh, treat a patient with atrial fibrillation after 48 hours. Uh, After 48 hours, the the probability of the patient uh, suffering a stroke as a result of the treatment increases very rapidly. Um, So... um, that's the medical guidance right now. Do not treat after 48 hours without giving an anticoagulant and making sure that that anticoagulant is in place. Now, what we're trying to do is reduce that from 48 hours, which is the time scale that takes you to get to an emergency room, right. to a few minutes, right? So um, within a few... And, and, the, and the interesting thing... There's a couple of interesting things about AFib. Number one is that uh, effect... Uh, of time, right, that, that it gets uh, more and more risky for yourself in terms of stroke uh, as, as time progresses. But the other thing that is very interesting about AFib is that the longer you are in F- AFib, the more likely it is that you're going to be in AFib again, yeah. and the more difficult it is to convert. Mm-hmm. So we are uh, hoping that that effect bears out to be true and that because we're going to treat within a few minutes of uh, the incident, um, we'll have a higher efficacy even than the IV because it's given right away. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. For more information, visit theconferenceforum.org. Thanks for listening.